Well, you've made it this far. Question is, where is this and now what? It's time to join your guide, Jim Ayer, for an exciting 12 episode journey into remodeling your life. You're going to discover that God's transforming power is real and he's ready to provide that power to you. Now here's your guide, Jim Ayer, to take you on the journey of a lifetime, an amazing and dynamic experience with God. We're on episode 12 in our transformation study, Remodeling Your Life. And although this is the end of the series, it's only the beginning of your exciting marriage to God. The life of transformation is ongoing. Now that the honeymoon is over, the real work begins. Maintaining your connection with God takes commitment to the marriage. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Notice what Paul says. How many things become new? Yes, all of them. Every old thing is to be replaced by the new. The life that was once polluted by sin is to be remade into the image of Christ, the master craftsman himself. Over the period of 11 studies, you've been led by the Holy Spirit to walk in new pathways, discover new joys in Christ, and to alter various habits of living. It's now time to extend your walk to new dimensions of victory, new challenges, and fresh directions in life's journey, living the life of transformation on a daily basis. In God's strength, fully trusting in Him, you will create spiritually strong habits and soon your habits will recreate who you are to become for all eternity. Andre Glyde made it clear when he said, quote, man cannot discover new oceans unless he has the courage to lose sight of the shore. Now is your time to trust God and lose sight of everything except Him. Now, the very first wedding ceremony was officiated by God Himself in the Garden of Eden. Christ's first recorded miracle was performed at a wedding. The Bible portrays Christ as the bridegroom returning for his faithful bride, the church. You know, the marriage relationship is the closest example that exists in the universe it represents God's desire to eternally unite with us. But too many people, too many Christians end up in divorce court because they forget that after the wedding and after the honeymoon, the daily grind of life begins. Reality sets in. Choices now need to be made in partnership with another person. You've done your own thing for so many years, but now it's a new day. Well, long-term benefits are reserved for long-term commitments. If you haven't already done so, it's time to make an extended commitment to Christ that will result in new habits created to carry you forward into God's eternal future. This means radical commitment to your prayer life, to your study life, and to lifestyle changes, following His voice in all He asks of you. The number one reason for divorce is the lack of communication. This became the devil's ploy from the very start, cut off all communication between God and man. John Bunyan said, The truth that I have known best I have learned on my knees. I never knew a thing well till it burned into my heart by prayer. Prayer, you see, is the opening of the heart to God as to a friend. Not that it's necessary in order to make known to God what we are, but in order to enable us to receive Him. Prayer does not bring God down to us, but it brings us up to Him. See, in Steps to Christ, the darkness we are told of the evil one encloses those who neglect to pray. 
the whispered temptations of the enemy entice them to sin, and it's all because they do not make use of the privileges that God has given to them in the divine appointment of prayer. Why should the sons and daughters of God be reluctant to pray when prayer is the key and the hand of faith to unlock heaven's storehouse, where are treasured the boundless resources of omnipotence? What a glorious saying that is. If Jesus is our example, we need prayer. Well, how much more prayer time do you and I need then? Prayer time does not happen automatically. You must plan for it. Can you imagine the storehouse of God, the storehouse? Would you like to tap into that storehouse of the omnipotent creator? We can and we must. In Mark chapter 9, the disciples were confronted by a demon that was, had complete control of a young man. Their attempts to cast him out were utterly frustrating. And when Jesus appeared on the scene, however, he didn't even raise a sweat in casting out that fallen foe. A little later, the disciples came to him and asked, Lord, why couldn't we cast out this demon? Why couldn't we do this? And Jesus responded by saying that this kind of demon could only be cast out by prayer and fasting. Now, it's a fact. We cannot do battle with the devil on our own. And that's what the prayerless disciples had attempted to do. Can you imagine? They attempted to do it on their own. You know, when we're required to make a withdrawal from the intergalactic bank of infinite resources to fight wickedness in our own lives and the lives of others, <laughs> you better make sure that you've been making deposits in that bank. There is no overdraft protection option. Prayer time does not happen automatically. You must plan for it. <laughs> you must make a daily conscious choice to form new prayer habits resulting in regular high-quality time with God. You know, it's true that we should always have prayer in our lips and in our hearts. But like our Lord, when he walked in our shoes here on earth, the more time you spend on the mountain dedicated to prayer, the more easily you can handle the troubles that come here in the valley. Prayer is not an optional exercise for Christians and in their lives. It's, it's the life of a Christian. If you want to stay out of divorce court, you need to talk with the Lord on a daily basis. Can you imagine having an invitation to be invited to the White House to see the president, to meet with the president of the United States? How awesome is that? But you know, in reality, each one of us have an invitation to meet with the king of the universe. And in order to maintain that relationship, well, it's all about the marriage relationship with him. It's an extension of your prayer life. It's entering into a conversation with God through his word, the Bible. You see, the Bible is God's living word. When you read the Bible, you've been ushered into the audience chamber of God himself. You're in the presence of the Infinite One as he speaks with you. In the book, A Call to Stand Apart, Ellen White says that, and I quote, the Bible is God's voice speaking to us just as surely as if we could hear it with our ears. If we realize this with what awe we would open God's word and with what earnestness we would search its precepts. The reading and contemplation of the scriptures would be regarded as an audience with the Infinite One. Dwight L. Moody once said, quote, I prayed for faith and thought that someday faith would come down and strike like lightning. But faith did not soon come. One day I read in the 10th chapter of Romans, Now faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I closed my Bible and prayed for faith. 
And now I open my Bible and begin to study, and faith has been growing ever since. <laughs> Rick grew up as a Christian and was a very devout pew warmer. You might say he was living in the same house with God, but he'd all but filed the divorce papers. Yes, I've always been in the church. Um, I was raised in a Christian home, and every week my mom took us to church, so I grew up in the church. Basically, it was a church, was a, a pew warmer. I was the typical Christian. I, um, you know, I believed I was saved. I was happy with my life, and I didn't want to do any more than I had to do. And I was happy with the way things were. Well, I believed in God's grace. I believed uh, primarily that I was a good person. I was basing my belief that I was saved on, on my standards. I believed that I was doing good and that I didn't need to do anything more. Yeah, what, what happened is that once I got into the Bible, I just couldn't get away from it. If somebody mentioned something that I didn't know about, I, I'd come to my office and I'd lock myself in my office until I figured out what the issue was. Because I realized I didn't know as much as I thought I knew. Once I started getting into the Bible, I saw that there were so many things that God wanted to reveal if someone just sat down and took the time to study it. Well, the old Rick was self-centered. It was all about me. I uh, looked at the world in terms of what's in it for me. You know, how can I advance myself? You know, what's, what, is there, what is there in the world that's going to make me happy? And uh, I realized that was the wrong way to look at things. Well, what I'm trying to do now, what happened is that uh, after I gained all this knowledge, um, I decided I needed to share this knowledge. And I had an opportunity to go down to the rescue mission. And uh, they allowed me to give a Bible class. And uh, it, was a, it was a great opportunity for me, and, and the people there were, were just willing to hear the word. And uh, not only did this help me deepen my faith and my knowledge of the Bible, because I had to prepare for the classes, I learned a lot by the relationship and interaction with the people there. One day in one of the classes, one of the guys, we were talking about the law, and he asked me, he said, can anyone actually keep the law? And I answered, I said, yes, the Bible tells us there will be a remnant that will keep the law. And he said, you know the Bible pretty well. He said, do you keep the law? And I said, no. And he said, why? Why can't you keep the law? And I said, well, I guess I love myself more than I love God. And it was at that time that I was convicted. I saw that I had an intellectual knowledge, but my heart was still not with the Lord. And so I always remember what somebody told me. They said, give me your checkbook, and I'll tell you what you love by how you spend your money. And so I looked at it in terms of my time, and I really wasn't giving that much time to the Lord. You know, most of the time that I had, I was, I was using for myself. So it was at that time, I said, you know, if we're judged by our works, I said, I have to show that I do love the Lord more than I love myself. So it was at that time that I started to reach out and do things for God. Um, Given the times we're in, um, my, my, my wish is that God will give me the strength and the faith to stand. Because you can see the times are changing. And the more I get into God's Word, the more convicted I am 
that what I read and what I understand to be the truth is actually the truth. And so that deepens my faith and it gives me confidence to go out and share the word. Well, I would say that do what I did. You're going to have to take, make an assessment of what your relationship is with God. I, I know many people that know the Bible, but they're not spending time doing things for the Lord. And I can see that love is, is not a noun, it's a verb. You may feel a love for the Lord and you may read and think you have a love relationship with God, but unless you act it out, it's dead. I would say that I probably have more peace and joy in my life than I've ever had. And I think it's because, at, you know, finally in my life, I'm surrendering. be missing in your walk with Christ, but you're not sure what it might be or what to do about it? The Review and Herald has the answer. The book Transformation will lead you step by step on the journey of a lifetime. You'll be surprised at how easily changes in your life occur as you focus on the power of God. You see, it's all about God, the God who loves you and wants to transform you. Call today, 800-876-7313 or log on to transformationinfo.com. Jim was a drug dealer, an alcoholic, and a thief until God called him. But that was just the beginning. As someone said, he has lived six lifetimes. He became wealthy, lobbied on Capitol Hill, and was a church leader. But he was lost until God gave him a second chance. People tell us when you start reading Second Chance, you can't put it down. Your loved ones, who may be wondering if God will give them a second chance, will love it too. Now here's the information you need. Call us or visit us online. George MacDonald once said, how often we look upon God as our last and our feeblest resource. We go to Him because we have nowhere else to go. And then we learn that the storms of life have driven us not into the rocks, but into the desired haven. After God called me to His side for the second time, I responded and again enjoyed the wonderful haven of rest in the bosom of God. But there were still times when I was bothered by the statements like the following one, referring to the saints in heaven. And I quote, a glorious light shone about their heads and they were continually shouting and offering praises to God. Well, this bothered me because I was apparently not experiencing that level of joy, nor did I feel like experiencing that joy outwardly. Have you found yourself in the same position? My thinking went something like this. If I'm not praising God all the time, then maybe He isn't working in me. Well, I can now speak to you with confidence. It was a lie of the devil. He wanted me to be depressed. It's time to change our thinking by changing our words also. As my walk with God progressed and my love for my best friend grew, I found myself desiring to praise Him for many things. But it took time. What am I trying to say to you? Well, I'm saying to have patience with yourself because the transformation process is exactly that, a process. This is lifestyle change. As you train yourself to think upon heavenly things and lift your voice to God, the praises and testimonies that emanate from your lips will cause the devil great pain and suffering, and he will flee from you. 
Well, the Apostle James said it best. He said, therefore, submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. In Revelation, we are told that they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. I think of the time when, when Ellen White was walking through a garden and in her mind mentally, this other lady was walking with her and they were enjoying all the flowers and the things and all the beauty around, but then this particular lady began complaining about the, the thorns and the thistles and the briars and the brambles. And the guide that was with them stopped and said, please, please, he said, focus on the roses and the lilies and the pinks. You see, we need to turn our thinking toward heaven. You know, C.S. Lewis said, joy is the serious business of heaven. And King David said, my tongue shall speak of your righteousness, of your praises all day long. Dave Waters was a machine gunner on a Huey helicopter in Vietnam. That's where he encountered God. Um, before I was put in that helicopter unit, which was the 68th Assault Helicopter Squadron, I was a mechanic in an outfit that had totally gone down the drain, you might say. They were in every sin there was, and we were being attacked on the perimeter the whole time, never got any sleep, and I was losing it. I'd been there about five months in that unit, and finally there were other, there were other soldiers that were there that were committing suicide, and I was feeling... I didn't want that to happen to me, but I was feeling I had to get out of there. And I was decided in my mind, I'm gonna walk out of here to up north to Cambodia and go on from there to India and try to get home. Yes, I was in, I was in bad shape. Couldn't talk, couldn't relate to anybody. And then in my mind, I thought, well, I've gotta, I've gotta sit down and pray. And I, I, I prayed a little bit outside, but there was too much noise. So I went in and got in a big freight container. They'd take off a of ships, close the door, sat in there in the dark and prayed to God for at least three hours. And at the end of that three hours, I was crying, I was upset, I was trembling with fear because the next day I was going on my first mission when I got to that unit. And so when I finally ran out of all energy and all prayer and couldn't talk anymore about it, I got up to start, get up and walk out. And all of a sudden, the minute I stood up, Jim, the fear in my body from shaking just disappeared. It was awesome, and I was full of energy. And I said a couple words, and I went, wow, <laughs> I can talk again. And I went out of there, and I don't know, to be, to be totally terrified and all of a sudden be free of any, any fear at all was amazing. That was a total miracle. And I knew that God had done it because he, he answers prayer, and I knew he was going to, just didn't know when or how, and he answered that prayer. So I went through the rest of my tour in Vietnam, um, with no fear, kind of like the, in the movie, just see one of those guys do that once in a while. I had no fear, and I actually could think better that way. I did my mission very well. I got into missions that nobody had ever been in before, and bullets would go through the would go through the chopper at times, and we got a crash landing once that I had to. We barely made it to safety on that. We skid down this old runway and almost spun around. Anyway, I won't go into details, but. With fear gone, I was able to do my job. And it's been a wonderful experience. I had not even a scratch when I got out of the service, out of, that, out of Vietnam. I was hoping for a Purple Heart, but I didn't even get a scratch. Nobody in the, in the ships I was in ever got hurt or shot. And, and everything that happened to us 
was a total miracle that we didn't get hurt. Now, that was God's power, if I ever saw it. When, when, when we need God the most, especially in foreign countries where we're totally unaware of what's going on around us most of the time and what the rules are, God is with us. I've seen it over and over and over and over. Every day, God does some miracle that some people realize and some don't. But, but you just have to step out, take one step in faith, and just go from there. What can one person do, Jim? One person can do a lot. It's endless what one person can do. With God in his heart, with God leading him, one person can complete any chore put in his hands to do. But the biggest thing I've learned is, Jim, that when, when you love other people and you, wanna, you want to help them, to grow in Christ and what I do, my ministry is building churches in foreign countries. I love it. I get, uh, it's so rewarding to me. And when I can get other people to feel that same thing by the end of the trip, most of them do, it's wonderful. I wouldn't give up that for anything. You may be saying, what can I do for God? I'm, I'm just one person. What can one ordinary person do for Jesus Christ? Well, let me tell you. Moses was a murderer and a shepherd. He delivered an entire nation from bondage. Abraham was an old man and a liar. He fathered a nation. Peter and John, well, they were simple fishermen, but they rocked the world for Jesus Christ. John the Baptist only preached for six months, but Jesus said there was none greater. He focused the world's attention upon the Lamb of God. Noah was the world's worst evangelist. <laughs> he was the father of a new world, and Lazarus, he was dead but God even used him to tell the world of the resurrection to come. And Dwight L. Moody, he was a simple shoe salesman until the day he heard a man say, the world has yet to see what God can do with and for and in and through a man who is fully and wholly consecrated to him. Well, that changed Moody's life. And my friends, it can change you. What can God do with you? Why, he can do everything. There is no limit after all. The king is your father. This is perhaps one of the greatest books ever written on the biblical teachings of Christ. Jesus used parables to open the vistas of heaven to the people and to expand their thinking. As no other book has ever done, Ellen White unwraps the parables, allowing us to see Christ our salvation revealed in all of his beauty and splendor throughout each and every page. Order your copy today by calling 800-876-7313 or logging on to transformationinfo.com. Now is your opportunity to purchase Jim Ayer's entire transformation package at one low price. You will receive the book, the 12-week study guide, and the 12-episode DVD series. Each item will offer you, your family, and your church the tools to transform a dull, lifeless Christian experience into a vibrant and victorious life. This will truly be an investment for eternity. Call today, 800-876-7313, or log on to transformationinfo.com. Oh, how I wish I was able to take you to see the holy city of God where we will be meeting with the Father for the first time when Jesus comes to take us from this place. I wish I could show you the streets of gold and the glittering mansions the loving Lord has prepared for each one of us. But I can't. All I have to show you is this. Everything that we are told will be burned up in the last days. All of this, this is the devil's kingdom. 
He's used lies to steal it from our first parents, and he's used thousands of lies and thousands of years to demonstrate what kind of parent he really is. In his time, it's almost up. The pain and suffering cannot continue on forever. It must end soon. But God, in his infinite mercy and wisdom, has been waiting just as long as he possibly can until everyone makes their choice of whose plan is the best one. Who will be the best parent? Who is the best Lord to serve? Well, let me tell you, for me and my house, God is a hands-down winner. And I'm speaking from personal experience because I have served both God and the devil. You know, I had traveled down every low road of this life, tasting the temporary thrills of a drug dealer, enjoying the momentary rush of the thief, the sensual pleasures of darkness, and the rush of gambling. Oh, the list is endless. But then God spoke to me and I answered that beautiful voice. But then the attractions of gold and silver seemed to beckon me, so I filled my pockets with homes, land, why the best money could buy. But I thank God he did not forget my address. Oh no, not at all. He came calling on me and I answered him once again. He gave me a second chance and now I speak to you as a child of the King. His promises are sure, his love is real. The new world is factual and his power to give us the life of victory so we can inherit the throne is anchored in the solid rock, Jesus Christ. Yes, you can believe it. He sealed the agreement with his blood and he can't wait to pick you up from planet Earth, zip you across the cosmos and personally guide you through their new mansion in the heaven made new. Oh, I tell you, your name is already there. Your crown is setting on the shelf just inside the door. It's waiting for you. The choice is yours. Happiness wall to wall or this? Remember, it's all about God. At your invitation, he will remodel your home, your life, by transforming you on the outside and on the inside. Immediately after he gives you a beautiful new exterior, his righteousness, the master carpenter begins the process of taking the old, deteriorated, sin-laden inside and rebuilding you into the image of Jesus himself. This process requires your complete cooperation, so let's review the steps. Recognize that you cannot rebuild your own life. Surrender your life completely, 100%, to the master craftsman and at that moment he instantaneously wraps a new exterior around you now he's ready to start on the inside he doesn't want you to pretend to be new he wants you to be new everywhere because of your cooperation and invitation to come inside the Lord will go room to room cleaning out the filth and the garbage, the old rotten wood, and give you the most beautiful interior, a dwelling fit for the Holy Spirit to live in forever. At times, the process can be painful, dramatic, and even a bit stressful as you battle with self to allow God to examine and change every dark corner of the old you. But the results, <laughs> they'll be out of this world. The Apostle John fully understood the transformation process when he said, we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. The daily choices we make determine our destiny. So I urge you to choose wisely. I can't wait to meet up with you and the Father in the celestial city. What a day it's going to be. Let's make it a date, shall we? You pick the galaxy and we can have lunch together or 
dinner, better yet, you choose. 